0: Chapter Five, of Schopenhauer in the Air by Kichi Hartman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nemo. Christmas Eve in a Lighthouse. To Augustus Saint-Gaudens, eighteen ninety-five. After several months of bitter want, heart pangs such as only a sensitive author endures, and that severe mental exhaustion brought about by irregular, unsympathetic work, every line being a humiliation and degradation of artistic instincts, a feeling of emptiness in my brain with other neurasthenic symptoms began to torture me, depriving me of my two main occupations and pleasures, and making reading impossible, and also rendering writing at times extremely difficult. I am obliged to mention this physical decadence, as nothing else could have induced me, to hire a boat one sunny noon, and slowly row away from the turmoil of the streets, far, far away into the bay, to one of the lighthouses. Although in my nervous Vagram city life, I was always conscious of a yearning desire to forget for a few moments my everlasting cares. The fabrication of another hack article on the German Emperor's wardrobe a fictive meeting with Zola in a coal mine, or a review of the new opera by Verde, dated Milano and written in a New York garret, in order to pay a part of the rent, to buy the new work of a favorite author, to see some great actor simulate emotion, or to dine badly in a French restaurant. In short, the endeavor to make a reputation and get along somewhat decently in this world. I had, after all, become so saturated with it that even after being surrounded for hours by nothing but sky and land and fading shoreline, I could not entirely obliterate the luring music of metropolitan noise and haste. The impression nature made on me was too overwhelming. It invariably embarrassed, enervated me. After all my various visits to the lighthouse, I felt completely exhausted. I had to take an absolute rest for a day or two, and only gradually quieted down to my normal state, when I recalled with bitterness and renewed longing the eternal uniform music of the ocean and how sublime it was in in its immeasurableness. The lighthouse, though built on the edge of a steep surf-bound rock, was hardly that ideal place sentimental authors have kindly foisted upon us. There was no black isolation about it. A village with hideous polychromatic summer cottages, reflecting in their silly architecture the anarchism of our age was within a mile's reach. The keeper of the lighthouse was a taciturn old fellow, short and sturdy, a phlegmatic, self-reliant nature who could get well along without people, satisfied with smoking his pipe and growling to himself while polishing the brass of his lanterns. The bottle of Kentucky bourbon which I always managed to bring with me, however, made him more accessible. His wife, bred in the paltry but self-satisfied comfort of the middle classes, was one of those creatures who cannot get accustomed to new ways. Thus she longed for the days when she went shopping in her native town, promenaded on the avenues with a wasp waist and spotted tulle veil, and drove out on Sundays with her best young man, now she had to bring up her brats, and the isolation of her curious little home and existence seemed to weigh upon her commonplace character. On one of these visits towards the end of the year, the idea struck me that it would be quite a novel experience to arrange a genuine German Christmas Eve in the lighthouse, and I promised the lighthouse keeper's wife and children to show up when Christmas came. However, lack of funds prevented me, The following year the stormy weather made the trip impossible. At last, after two years of postponement, I arrived toward dusk with a Christmas tree, boxes of candles and candies, and a few other insignificant presents in my boat. The old keeper recognized me at once and grinned as I shook my bottle of bourbon whiskey at him. His wife greeted me cordially. "'I am glad that you have come. It would have otherwise been so lonely here tonight.' We lugged up the tree and decorated it and fastened the candles. After supper we lit them. The children looked with astonished, wide-open eyes at the shimmering tree, and, after having lost their first-moment shyness, began to prance and dance about and shout with joy. The old keeper gulped down one glass of toddy after the other. The mother smiled, and I recalled with joy my childhood days, when for weeks... I thought of nothing but Christmas being hardly able to sleep with excitement for some nights preceding, until at last the hour of jubilation came, realizing the wishes I had harbored with childish impatience for so many days. It was an hour of wild invigorating joy, but just as in all those exquisite and far-between moments in our life's errantry, when we have at last succeeded in finding a cozy corner where we may rest a while, Instead of enjoying it completely, we begin to feel restless and long for something else. And after listening repeatedly to the cadences of wind and waves outside, bringing reminiscences of the land-maddening emotions of large cities, I stepped out upon the platform. Darkness surrounded me. A black, dark sky without stars, melting imperceptibly into a still darker sea. Monotonous roar, like the majestic rhythms of Whitman's thoughts, greeted me. From the east, the tide came rolling in, waves on waves, billows on billows. The very depths of the ocean rose in deep furrowed mountains, crumbling instantly into foaming rotations, followed by a momentary vicious lethargy, undertowing a new upheaval of the sea. The world old host of Neptune. In long, stretched line, dully outlined by their gray, glimmering caps, row after row in regular distances, storms seething onward, as if chasing each other. And far beneath me, they shattered their effervescent heads on the stonework, and the foam crept high up the masonry. After each attack, the roaring and raging grew louder, and the hissing waters, cursing their aimless agitation, were thrown back in different directions, Crossing the eager approach of their sister waves obliquely. The wind played wildly in my disheveled hair. With my hands on the railing, the wide, interminable ocean beneath me, the platform where I stood seemed like a link between human habitation and eternity, life and death. And as my eyes looked out with dreamy bewilderment, I saw a white spot rapidly coming towards me a seagull with fluttering wings dashed directly towards the luring light of the lantern, like a solitary human soul rushing blindly towards happiness, striving with selfish zeal to reach a haven of rest in the beautiful soft glow of a peaceful home. In the next moment, she shattered her head against the thick panes of the beacon light and fell writhing to my feet. Stooping to touch the soft white down of the unfortunate bird, Who only a moment before had been so full of vigorous joy a feeling of despair came over me realizing that all this endeavor to create something beautiful in this world of rising and falling waves and howling winds was sheer vanity the somber depth seemed to beckon to me to leave the black monotony of universal murk with all its atrocities and infamies and to tumble back into chaos whence i came no paltry exit from this tragical farce with revolver, rope, or Paris green, but to leap consciously with heroic joy into eternity. I trembled with emotion. The ocean, darkness, death, eternity, stormed over my soul in that moment of supremest joy, such as is granted to us perhaps a dozen times in our entire life, for which we have patiently to wait and then make the best of it. With protruding eyes, I scanned the abyss and fiercely clutched the iron railing. When an odor of fur was wafted to me, and a warm breath of the homewise scene within, like a love woven nursery song, caressed my senses. My arms dropped. A complete exhaustion came over me. I still endeavored to force my emotion to soar to the majestic, storm swept summits where man willingly embraces death but my thoughts had already turned to less imposing heights. I had learned to understand why we poor decrepit mortals cling to our existence. Needing so much skill and strength, even to struggle and float on the tempestuous waves of life, how could we have the superhuman courage to dissolve in it? End of Christmas Eve in a Lighthouse.